people who would go through these exuberant efforts to put in the legwork to find a skunk kept getting skunk one and they were kept getting pissed. It's me. Basically, that's what kept happening to me. And so finally, I got to the point where I literally would go over to my dealer's house and I'd be like, no, not that shit. That shit that smells like the skunk on the road. That's what I want. A roadkill skunk. Do you have any of that? Welcome to Oregon Rooted. I'm Higher Peaks. And this is Lady Sativa. You're listening to The Dirt Show. Where we bring you Oregon's cannabis culture. I'm back with JD Short from Second Generation Genetics. Welcome back, brother. It's been a long time. Yes, thank you. It's been like what two years? Two years and some days? <laughs> Maybe I don't know. I'm not good with time. I'm a stoner. <laughs> yes. Oh, was it pre-pandemic? It was. I think it was pre-pandemic. I think right after that we lost our studio, and then the COVID hit, and. Thanks. Yeah, I think in the, I think at the time you were switching houses or something or having some trouble there. Yep. So I think we were all in kind of like a limbo at that time. Yeah, but we're back. You were back. And I see, I've been following you, obviously, uh, and you're always doing work. I, I see that you've kind of done a, a lot of breeding work in the last, I guess, couple years. You want to catch us all up? Sure. Uh, yeah, so um, last time we talked, I actually listened to the last episode uh, a couple weeks ago when you said, you know, you wanted to do another one. And so I was like, all right, where do we leave off? And so we left off. Um, I was actually, uh, I was just in the, in the process of being evicted from my home. So, uh, um, yeah. Yeah. And, and we discussed that. Uh, and so I resettled now, um, but that was uh, last year in February, I resettled. Um, so I've been, settled now for just over a year um and in that in that course of that year yeah i've gotten back on the the track so to speak and doing a lot of hunting and made a couple new crosses and doing some collaborations with dj and lots of stuff going on yep i see that and it, it seems like you're you're doing a lot of uh specific intentional breeding it seems I mean, I, I know that sounds funny, like it's all, it's all intentional, but I mean, like you, you've been picking like some specific lines and actually, you know, you've asked uh, your followers for a couple inputs too as well. And um, what, what's behind that? What, what's your reasoning for the uh, strains that you're starting to work with here? Sure. So uh, we had, I think we, I think it was with you that I mentioned before. I don't remember hearing this on the, uh, the last episode, I'll be honest, I skipped around a little bit. They're long episodes. Uh, but I think it was with you that I had mentioned um, that I previously, because of my, you know, living insecurities and my housing insecurities, um, I was never able to actually open up seeds that, that I wanted to or that I wanted to risk losing. Um, and so 
since I have, you know, reestablished myself in my house, those, those housing insecurities are gone now. You know, I, I, I'm buying this place. Um, so I'm now opening up feeds that I want to, and I'm doing projects that I want to. So that intent is there. It was there before, but it was, I was kind of uh, scrambling along a little bit. One of the, I used to love using the term, uh, the limp along projects. I was in pre 2022. Most of my work consisted of limp along projects. I just would throw things together as best I could. Uh, and in the last year, I'm still limping along. I'm not going to lie, but there's definitely more intention to what I'm doing. Uh, uh, re- uh, currently now, what I'm working on now, I'm behind schedule, but that's okay. I'm finally, you know, that's the intent. Like I, there's no schedule with these plants before there was a schedule, but um, now I'm behind schedule. But uh, uh, the intent, the, the project now is to open up these skunk one seeds, William Wander skunk one exodus seeds and, Look for a mail on those and play around with that. I've been, uh, I'm, I'm rambling now, but I'm stoned. And so here we are. Uh, I've been uh, holding that stock, that, that Exodus stock and that cheese stock for a while. So we'll see what I can do with it. Now that Exodus, uh, that cheese stock, uh, you, you mentioned skunk too as well. Uh, am I hearing you right on that? Yeah. Okay. Now I, that's something that, I've been searching for for a few years. I know in the last couple that people it became a trend where people are really trying to find some some either good skunk or original skunk. Um, so what, the skunk I'm referring to is actually skunk one. Okay, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the difference, or or actually if I'm even familiar with the difference. Uh, I don't know if anybody is. But the, the damn name game is just it got out of control. Especially skunk is the perfect uh, strain to to. to approach this issue with because of how much it's been white labeled as a matter of fact my understanding of the the difference between skunk one and skunk was was that i i believe that skunk one came up because somebody tried to pass it off as a skunk and the community said no that's not skunk so then they had to call it skunk one I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't follow, um, the hype and the stories and stuff. So I just go by my intuition, what I assume. So I could be totally off base there, but I've uh, had that conversation with people online before and there's other people in the community like, yeah, we're, you know, that's, that's our understanding of how it played out as well. Yeah. Is there any other stories? I mean, what are, what are the other theories behind it? Do you know? No, I do not. Um, the, you know, I, I don't know. We're just, I'm, I'm rambling now again, uh, like where to even start that conversation or where to go into that conversation. If I remember correctly, uh, and again, I don't follow these names and this hype and these stories often because they're so full of uh, inconsistencies and, and mistruths that I just don't waste my time following them or, or the hype, which is a double-edged sword. I, sh- I wish I had more time to do it for these purposes, these conversations are here. But if I remember correctly, Skunk one was Sam uh, Skunkman, or you know, isn't it? I mean, I it's your viewers. They're 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 dying right now listening to us. I know, I know. They probably got all the stories. You know, I I don't know. I I'm just a searcher of information right now because for me, I is oh, I know I've had it. I know I really like it and I know I'd like to find it again. What's original, what's not, where it came from, skunk one, 
I mean, I, uh, if, if I remember correctly, it was Sam Skunkman was the one that, if that's the name, you know, it's uh, fallen to the wayside a little bit. But if I remember correctly, it was Sam Skunkman. And um, so the difficulty I had with some of the lore behind the Skunk One was that where I left off trying to follow the story was that Sam supposedly, uh, and this isn't a slight on Sam. I don't know Sam. I just, this is just how I interpreted the story was that um, supposedly he was credited as the creator of the Skunk One. But then when he was pushed to, um, he said that he had the, the original feedstock, but then when he was pushed to prove it, he claimed all this time that he could recreate it. And then I, I'm, a, I don't know if he ever tried to recreate it. I'm assuming he, he did. I don't know why he wouldn't, but I'm, I would assume if he did try and recreate it, the community didn't agree that that was the skunk one that they were chasing. Similar to, to probably how the community feels about, a lot of the community feels about DJ and Blueberry. And I only bring that up again to just make sure that uh, people understand this isn't a slight on Sam or DJ or anybody like that. This is just my interpretation of uh, these stories. Um, and it, it, none of that really matters. Um, all I know is that this, um, so the skunk one stock that I'm working with as well is that Sacagawea I got from Sonny Chiba. Um, he, you know, there's skunk in that lineage and whatever the selections he did to bring that, uh, that Sacagawea to fruition, it's, in my opinion, really skunk one heavy. Um, and so, you know, I can smell it in there. Uh, and whatever is in that stock, that Sacagawea stock, and, and this is, you know, this is the important part of the conversation we were just trying to have is that whatever is in that Sacagawea stock, I can find nowhere else. And it also, um, it, it, it falls in line with the, the samples that everybody else passes off as Exodus cheese and skunk one. So uh, that's the stock that I've, you know, been reserving for a while. I've got a couple other uh, things, a couple other. There's an Exodus cheese, uh, Backcross, to uh, Quirkle. What was the other one? I don't know. I've got them in the other room there. It's just about to take another bong hit and push this envelope. <laughs> yeah. Go for it. Well, I'm going to pick your brain on you. You, you keep mentioning you know, the ones, the Sacagawea you're working with, that it, it has the characteristics that you would think of as a skunk. What are those? Can you describe those characteristics just so I understand? Uh, the, the actual physical characteristics, I'm not sure I would be able to do because I'm not familiar enough with the original stock to, uh, I, I think that some of the characteristics I think I'm familiar with, such as like the bulbous, uh, swollen, um, Bracts and calyxes and stuff. Uh, uh, it's uh, it's leafy, but <laughs> in between the leafiness, the the bra the the bud to flower ratio is a little bit higher. <laughs> Aside from that, <clears throat> um, I think that it's uh, the structure. I think it's more leafy than a lot of the other cultivars out there. But what I'm really more familiar with, that I think I'm more familiar with, anyways, is the the turps, which are. Again, they're hard to describe. I wouldn't know what to um, compare them to. Uh, but for me, <clears throat> go ahead. <clears throat> I was just going to say, do you know where the term then roadkill skunk comes from? Because I hear a lot of people, quote unquote, breeders throw out, oh, it's the old roadkill. I mean, is that sure. something different? or? Yes, the roadkill skunk is, is, in my opinion, from what I understand, very different from the skunk one that I'm working with. No. Not the same thing at all. Yeah. Uh, so if I'm if, so my understanding of where the term the roadkill skunk came from, that really was only a term to differentiate between the from the skunk one, because what was flooding the market 
at certain times was skunk one, and that was being passed off as the roadkill skunk or as skunk. And all these people who would go through these exuberant efforts to put in the legwork to find a skunk kept getting skunk one, and they were kept getting pissed. It's me, basically, is what kept happening to me. So finally, I got to the point where I literally would go over to my dealer's house and I'd be like, no, not that shit. That shit that smells like the skunk on the road. That's what I want. A roadkill skunk. Do you have any of that? That just became a term. <laughs> so, so essentially, you're bringing that to the blueberry line? Is that how I understand it? No, not the roadkill skunk. I okay. am, um, <clears throat> I'm working with the skunk one. Well, I didn't so mean the road. Would, I apologize. I didn't mean the roadkill. I just meant that the the lineages that you're working with the Sacagawea, the Exodus, uh, whatever the skunk one. Um, uh, you're you're incorporating yeah. that into the blue line, then the blueberry. Yes, I see. Yes. Cool. And that's uh, gonna be more fun. <clears throat> so I already built that actually with the Sacagawea. There's the velvet rope, the Motown lockdown, the strawberry reset. Um, but so what I'm looking for now is the the skunk and the Exodus male. So that I can bring that mail to um, uh, other lines, actually. Ah, okay. What happened was I made that sack of candy. I just mm-hmm. posted that on Instagram. And when I made that sack of candy, I realized the value that was in that uh, sack of Dewey stock, that skunk one stock, just it's missing from the, um, the gene pool. And so if I could, I, I realized, I was like, well, if I can recreate that sack of candy, um, I know that there's a lot of other things that I could make as well that would be also unique. So it's not just the blueberry line, actually. It's uh, uh, I'm trying to um, do take it outside of the blueberry line. Well, uh, I mean, I, I kind of thought that would have been something that you either ha- would have been working on or, or would do. I, I, uh, it seems like a natural evolution at some point or whatever. I, I, um, I'm excited to see all the stuff that's coming out. Are you releasing anything, uh, coming soon or is it something where you're still working on things or you got stuff out? You want to explain all that? No, the, so the, the, the skunk stuff, actually the stuff that will be next year, probably towards the end of next year. You know, it's going to take me a little while to find that mail. It's going to take me, you know, four to six months to find that mail. Yeah. And then another, um, you know, four to six months just to do an initial testing. You know, I'll test out one or two of the progeny, probably two of the progeny, to see if the male is producing hemp or herms or, you know, leaf. And then if, if he passes that test, then at the same time, I'll, I'll pollinate a bunch of different things, but I only test out two of them initially. And if the two pass the test, then we'll release those or we'll consider releasing those and then jump into the other stuff. It just depends on what type of value that male brings to the market, which brings up a whole other conversation, which is that the market is currently in the process of being restructured. So there is currently, uh, I, you know, oh, there's the kitty. Sorry. <laughs> uh, hmm. uh, um, uh, stray cats. I live in the field. Uh. Um, now I'm, I'm not coming back from <laughs> that. Dude. I'm sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> That's a cute cat. Um, all right. Uh, the market is collapsed. Um, not collapsed, but it's being restructured. So uh, um, I don't. we don't know the value that that male will bring to the market. So if that male brings this really high value to the market, uh, figuring out how to you know, restructure those into the market is going to be difficult. Because basically, 
I'm at a point where I'm, I'm, I'm a breeder now. You know, I, I have, I'm, I'm a breeder now and my work isn't for free anymore. So I can't, I, you know, I can't do what I, I did previously. Well, not only that, I mean, you know, it's being a good breeder, take, just like you said, it takes a lot of time. I mean, months, years, uh, to really work lines and, and find what you're looking for. It will take me a solid year just to pollen chuck some things into market mm-hmm. from this excess cheese. If yeah. I want to refine that, which I don't think that the, um, the market will bear that. But if I find the passion to do that and, um, you know, then yeah. So it's just, everything's different now. And the, I'll just keep looking at the cat. That was a good distraction. The damn cat. <laughs> I've been trying to try. I've been trying, I've been here a year, you know, and um, I, I can't feed it because it got rats. Too, cause like I said, I live in a field, in the field. And uh, so I, but I see it go by all the time. And finally, I've got a good view of it. I'm trying to see if it's got a collar. No collar. So it's too feral to, to bring in or something? or That's what I was trying to see. Um, well, I don't know how to bring it in. Like, I'm not a, you know, I can, I can get a dog to approach me, but like, <laughs> I'm a cat whisperer, man. Like, what those? They're weird creatures, man. My dad is doing that right now. That's why um, he's been doing that the last year. He's been um, uh, taking care of the feral cats, and he's built him a little house and everything. And he's being all successful at it. Wow. Well, maybe a little food for him, a little cat food. <laughs> be yeah, best friend. <laughs> it's got to be at the right time, though, because, like I said, there's no way that I'm leaving it out there. I, uh, I don't mind rats, but I. Man, they have rats are, are brutal to take over. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been dealing with that. Got it under control and everything. But yeah, <clears throat> even in town here, you know, neighbors have rats. You get rats. So, <laughs> oh man, uh, I got a lot of cats though. I got cameras in my area, and man, there's a lot of cats that come through here at night. Way more so than burglars. <laughs> oh man, so. <clears throat> um, I still see that you talk about some of your past strains. I mean, even as far back as like 2015-ish, 16-ish, um, I still screw around with the Plumberry Kush. Nice. <laughs> uh, my favorite. Um, I just, you know, I just that, what's that? That was that uh, purple unicorn from from Bodie and the blueberry. Yeah. yeah those, was, those combined really well. Uh, what is it you like about that Plumberry Kush? Well, one, you just can't, between the, uh, oh my gosh, I can't believe it's leaving my head, the Oregon Cutthroat, between the Oregon Cutthroat and the Plumberry Kush, I think that probably those are two of the most prettiest plants I've ever seen, or at least that I've ever seen in person. Um, I, or for sure that I've grown, um, especially the, the cutthroat, but the, the cutthroat has more of the reddish stuff going on and the, the, um, plumberry has the, the purples and the darkness going on. But, um, I really liked the expressions of the F ones that you sent me of the, um, plumberries. I had a lot of fun with those. Nice. Not the, not the expressions, but taking the F one to the F twos. I had a lot of fun with, um, Oh, so, uh, and you've opened up the F twos. Yeah, 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 yeah. I started messing with them. I've been playing with them for the last, well, what'd you give them? I think you gave me the Plumberry in 16, 2016, maybe 2017. I don't remember. Yeah. So I've been screw. I've been screwing around with it for like 
three, four years at least, indoor right. and outdoor. And I mean, like I've been using the Plumberry for colors and for some structure and stuff. And then, I mean, the production, the hash fucking production on that thing. Yeah. Yeah, she was a, a resin dumper for sure. Yeah. Um, so you uh, still get that three and a four. So did you notice a variance in your F2 uh, stage, like a high? Yeah, I, I like the expressions on it. That's what I was trying to get at. I think I said it wrong when I worded it. But yeah, when I took it to the F2, I liked the expressions on it and then started playing with it. Well, cool. Um, yeah, and then, of course, the cutthroat. I've, I keep that one... Um, in the library, uh, as, as a, as its own thing, you know, as the organ cutthroat, I, I have crossed it, but I like that plant as is. So I kind of, <laughs> I keep that as like, do you, what's that? Do you have uh, moms of the cutthroat? Uh, well I did. I don't have any current moms right now. Um, I, I kept that in my seed stock as like a, a solid strain that I'm going to keep running. Um, of course, like I said, I had crossed it a few times and I've got some seeds on that cross, but like, I don't have like, any moms on the pure, on the pure. But strain. you feel like that you have the, tr- the, the genetic traits that you, um, that you're looking for locked down enough in seed form that you don't need a mom. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I, okay. yeah, I, I, like that's I said, I work homozygosity and you know, that's the beauty of that's the intent behind that that's been the previous intent behind my work like i know the genetic stability there and it's so hard to advertise but i just stopped after a while um which is interesting for me i guess i wasn't experienced enough as a, a beginning i hate to say breeder because I'm, I'm not that but i mean a beginning uh seed crosser uh i didn't i didn't really understand or know those things, but I'm glad that I did have a good stock like yours to, to work with because I kind of just jumped right into it and, but had success. Like I said, I, I did it for three or four years and got what I wanted and kind of, uh, seed stocked all that. And so, yeah, I've got some, quite a bit of library built up on crosses on those. And then also just the base, the baseline that you sent me. Cause I, like I said, I really like that plum and, and, the, um, the organ cutthroat. Now, the one that I think is a, a sleeper is that rosaberry too. That one was. But then, see, here I go again. Then the farmer's fire I loved, and I can keep going. It's like, dang. <laughs> There's a lot of them. There's a lot of redundancy in my menu. There's a lot of redundancy in, in the gene pool in general. But uh, you, I think that you are correct about the rosaberry being just an absolute, complete fucking sleeper of a strain. Yeah. You know, there's, you know, there's, uh, company that has a patent on that strain. It must be a utility patent because they can't. But if I remember correctly, no, is the if uh, the, the patent must be a utility patent, but it's on and it's not on the rosaberry. It is on the ratio of CBD to THC combined with myrcene. Uh, which when when I got the test results back from the rosaberry, I forget how I found this up. Somebody must have sent it to me. They must have. <laughs> somebody must have because I'm not. Uh, I don't say smart enough, but I'm not like all over the internet enough to, to find that information. But somebody was like, hey, do you know there's a, somebody has a patent on your rosemary strain? That, and that, that's so weird. So <laughs> that strain is a huge sleeper. Um, the reason I think that it's a sleeper is twofold. I think that's part of the reason that I have never really pushed that strain because <clears throat> if it gets to the point, I don't know how any of that works. But if they, I, I don't want to find out how any of that works. I don't push that strain, but then also because it's CBD, it's lowered 
THC people don't understand the um, damn hype and the for the longest time we're still kind of stuck in that mode. People think that THC is what sells the THC content. Um, so the rosemary does not sell as well as it should. Uh, but the, the feedback that I get from that is uh, is ninety percent um, positive, and there's people that tell me that that you know that strain changed their lives. You know that they can function because of it. Yeah. And, and I unfortunately didn't, I grew it out once and that was it. I did not, I don't remember cause it's been a few years ago, but I don't remember led, led to the events that I wasn't able to carry it forward. But, um, that was one I was like, Oh gosh, I well, can't believe a bunch it. of those if you ever want. That's awesome. Yeah. I, <laughs> that's cool. You still got some, you probably still got all of it. Don't you? <laughs> mm-hmm. Most of it, I, you know, I, I do cycle through the mothers. What I will say is that I still have the ACDC mother, which is what makes the rosemary seed. So I can produce more of those at oh, any time. That's cool. Yeah, that's nice. That's nice. I did ACDC with um, Tangy, which I don't know. <laughs> is that an oxymoron to kind of like do a CBD with a potent uh, sativa? Baby. <laughs> Uh, no, but that, that, I like that just because of the flavors. I did the flavor for the, with the tangy and the, um, ACDC. Cause that's one of my favorite of the CBDs. Nice. Um, so, uh, the, that's what you got for the future then, right? Is the, uh, you said the Exodus and the Sacagawea, the skunk one. Um, that's, well, that's, that's, the, that's, that's one thing. Uh, it's okay. just, that's, well, that's the, and that's the far future too. Um, that right. is um, going into 2024. Um, that's what I'm going to be working on through this this year. Um, but like for uh, right now, uh, we just me, right, me and DJ just did that collaboration thing with this K45, uh, and that's interesting um, because that's you know that was an unreleased stock from his Blue Line. The, uh, uh, I I don't want people to think that that's as rare as it is. You know, uh, I think he's at like 30% of his uh, library has been released so far. So, you know, we can go on for years. We've never been released, never been released, never been released. Um, and that, that is the truth. We're, I was working on the K45, um, and then um, that got released. And so the interesting thing behind that was that, behind that is that, um, you know, when we released a new branch from his uh, library, it's how that will influence the gene pool or what people will be able to create with that is yet to be seen. So that's been, that's kind of fun and that's released now. And then we're also simultaneously, we're working on, uh, this Coke F6, the F6 Coco Kush release. The testing has been completed for that. Um, I'm cataloging the information now. And, um, that, I don't know. That will be up to DJ when he decides to release that. That is just going to be my my whole world has changed after this project. This talking about intent, you know, and um, part of the reason I stopped working with DJ stuff around 2019 is when I stopped. You know, last project I did with him, last main project I did with opening up his shit was the K45, um, and this is be a good opportunity. Um, being in business with your father is kind of interesting. Um, but um, I think there was some miscommunication between him and I as to why I stopped working with his stock uh, in 2019. 
And the reason, the main reason that I did was because I couldn't keep backup clones. I didn't have the space to keep those damn backup clones. I was in a situation where I was getting 24 hour notices for my landlord and shit, you know, like, like, so, um, I do remember that. And I remember it was stressing you the hell out. I mean, I'm, you know, take this moment to give a little virtual hug to anybody out there who's dealing with this and then a little activate activism speech to say, like, we need to change that. The, the housing situation in this country is fucking bullshit. This should not be happening. Um, this is inhumane. But I wasn't able to keep the mother's alive that I wanted to keep alive. And in order to work with his heirloom stock, air quote, heirloom stock, his stuff is just harder to grow. It just is. There's, you know, that's something that I think needs to be addressed. Uh, uh, his stock is harder to grow. And uh, in order to, to hunt his stock, I need to keep that more backup than I do with this hybrid shit that I, that I work on in my company. And I wasn't able to do that. And I was losing plants that I, that I wasn't able to, that I couldn't afford to lose. It's not that I couldn't afford to lose them. It's just that talking about intent, you know, I know his seed stock is limited, his library is limited. I don't want to lose seeds because, you know, I, I'm afraid to keep a backup. So I said, I said, fuck it. I, I stopped. And not only that, but the results of my project were, project were suffering. Uh, um, so I, I can't do this anymore. It was too disappointing to not have the, the correct resources to work with his shit. So I stopped. Okay. Um, and then, um, now we're here, and then that now we're releasing that K45 project, and then uh, um, now we're doing the work for this Coco Kush. Um, and I did a bunch of outcrosses with that as well. The, those are in testing right now. I just finished up uh, testing for one of those, uh, and that was fucking phenomenal. And I no. also finished up. Or go ahead. I, I just <laughs> wanted because you're talking about the cocoa. I just wanted to kind of get in there. That's the F6. Am I? Is that the that is what we will be releasing. Yes, is the six. Okay, and the reason the reason I ask is I'm glad you're talking all about this right now because it's a good time to jump in. I did have some uh, listeners respond and everything to my post. So, but one of the main ones was uh, talking about the K45, the Coco Kush F6, uh, and their crosses. So go ahead. Sorry about that. Uh, what was the question? It wasn't a question. I wanted you to keep going talking about. I, I I was just letting you know that I did get some feedback on and some questions that some listeners had, and so a lot of them came, that came back through uh, to my DMs was uh, for you to have you talk about the K forty five, the Coco Kush uh, F six uh, and its crosses. So I, I just want to let you know that that's great. That's what they wanted to hear. So go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's all right. So the uh, the. K45 and Coco Kush came up when, um, that's an open pollination between the, uh, F6 K45 and the, um, F5 Coco Kush that happened in testing. I see. Um, so that, those will be really interesting and unique. Again, uh, that K45 is a, is a new branch from DJ's blue line. And then <clears throat> will that be forward cross to the, to the, Coco Kush. At any rate, it's the inbred uh, in his blue line, and we, we we just we don't know, you know, what's going to come of that. Could be anything. <clears throat> so <clears throat> that will be interesting. Um, and I, there's one person so far that's got it, like four weeks apart. So I think it's Highwinds Farm. Sorry if I'm wrong. Uh, that would be horrible if I am. Um, <laughs> I don't know why, but uh, 
So, but it looks it looks good. Um, it's looking promising. There's variance in there as there should be with an open pollination, but there's uh, you know a couple expressions that are like no, it's, there's the resin is there. It's not hemp, um, so it'll be interesting. And that um, will be I don't know when that will be released. Um, probably after the coca crystal. I think that's what we've been struggling with right now is just figuring out how to um, basically, like I said, restructure this market. Um, I think that, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of this has been happening, uh, fly by night, sort of, sort of speak. One example I can, I can think of is something that I've done in my own company. Uh, I mentioned, I've mentioned this a lot, but not necessarily in these terms, um, is the redundancy that's happening. Um, there's no need for that other than, uh, lack of, uh, maybe lack of access to genetics, I guess, would be one of the main. But there are a lot of people who are working with these land race selections, or you know, you can you can find stuff out there. Um, but the the redundancy, um, I, don't, I don't know. I'm <clears throat> trying to rein it back in. I don't want to think anybody's ship or pop anybody's bubble or or be that asshole. How how are you going to take the <clears throat> the cocos and the uh, K forty five and do a lot more crosses with them. I think if you do, you mean um, are we going to uh, inbreed the K forty five and coco fish further? Uh, yeah, I guess I guess sure. Yeah, I mean, are you gonna yeah take it further? Uh, for some reason, I would prefer not to answer that. Um, okay, just off it feels proprietary at this point. Um, I don't mind talking about the restructuring of the industry, but um. Because that definitely needs to be um, addressed. But, yeah. Well, can you so restructuring the industry? Um, you mentioned or the so market. What, yeah. Okay. Market. What, what exactly do you mean by that? If you want to explain for me. Well, so yeah. So that's what, that. I think is what I was trying to figure out a way to discuss without sinking my own ship or giving way too much of my. <laughs> yeah, so I get I it. So, um, uh, so I feel like the market. And as we refer to it as the industry, I don't know why, why we're more comfortable referring to it as the industry, but really the industry is like this branding thing. The industry is a global thing. The market that, that we're really working with, this the seed market, it's just a subset of the industry. It's just a market within the industry. That seed market, that genetic market, I feel like has been absolutely clubbed over the head and over the last 10 years they have been abused and beaten the fuck up and they can't take it anymore and that that I think is one of the, the main reasons that the industry collapsed you know I think that there are uh, physical things that go along with that but to put it in a, uh, a sim- symbolic sort of a way that subset of the market the genetic market has just been beat up and they're sick of it um, and the way that they have been beat up is that uh, that redundancy that I was trying to address a minute ago, there's just this fucking redundancy that just, uh, we're, we're not speaking directly to that customer base. Um, and so as far as restructuring, I feel like I need to restructure my company and figure out a way to, to, to get back in direct communication with the, that, that market. And I think that all other breeders and all other seed banks would be, um, you know, would be beneficial for them to consider similar approaches. Like, yeah. what is it that we're offering these customers? You know, 
I, I, I'm not trying to detract from this either, but I, I have also noticed that there's a lot of uh, really aggressive uh, hate going back and forth between breeders in the market. Have you seen that? Yeah, the the sales fell out. Um, you know, uh, what I have noticed in my own uh, business, in my own company, is the amount of effort that I've had to put into my work, which I, I got really lucky uh, with the timing when I went through all that crap, like losing my house and everything. Like, it's like, uh, I got kicked in the gut, like with my housing situation at the exact same time that the industry, the, the market, the seed market just fucking collapsed. It went boom. <laughs> and right. so like, so I was like, uh, whatever was happening in the seed market, I was like, whatever, you guys don't know what I'm going through. This is your little problems of not being able to sell your seed. <laughs> Nothing. Like I'm on the verge of being homeless, you know? Right. So, um, so I didn't really, worry about it too much and then um when when and then when i re-established myself and, and got this place bought and got my my room set up and got going and stuff it was literally like i don't know it, it keeps getting worse so i i don't know but it was like right at that point when we all were really accepting like okay that this market has collapsed the the, the genetic market has collapsed what and i was like i was like oh, i'm ready to go and so that's what i did I focused 110% of my energy into my passions and my, my work. And that was back in March of last year. And here I am in, in, in March of this year. And, and it's paying off for me. You know, I'm, I, people are seeing the efforts that I put forth. But I think what happened was a lot of uh, other people didn't realize that, like, look, the way that you're going to stay in this is that, you know, you have to put, you have to step it up and put in a little bit more effort. I think a lot of people were, unable to do that for whatever reason. So instead they just started turning on each other and trying to cut throat and then basically eliminate the competition from the market. And that's a lot of the hate that we're seeing right now. I'm, you know, I've, I've dabbled in that. I've caught myself in that mentality, but again, I've been really, really fortunate in the last, I should give a shout out to the family friend who, you know, uh, I probably shouldn't say his, his name, but you know, there's a family friend, my, 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 my best friend from high school who, their parents loved me, you know, and I used to work for them. And they gave me a, a, a private loan, and they, they they set me up. So here I am. Um, and and you're doing real well, man. I'll tell you what I've seen is that these breeders are using. They're trying to like uh, hurt their reputations, like other breeders' reputations, or under like undermine their the reputation in some ways. And it, yeah, it's cutthroat, and it's. Re- I've had to, unfortunately, as a podcast, I try to keep my doors open for different views and different information and just to try to be unbiased. But I have to block people that bring such bad stuff, you know what I mean, to the community. I can't do it. I can't keep open to that stuff. So this last year, I've had to really cut back on my exposure to certain Negative breeders, I suppose, and it's not just breeders. I'm not picking on breeders; it's just it's across the board. Um, I think the I'm long- the same way, and I think the reason being is because I'm susceptible to it. Like once I, like it's like uh, monkey it's see, monkey do. Once once yeah. I see other people, I get into it. You know, and I'm like, yeah, fuck that guy. Yeah, yeah. No, and, and I've been there too, especially when you're going through hard times. Like, you know, the last couple of years hasn't been easy either. And so you, you find yourself getting negative and then you bring that to it. And yep. it's tough. It's tough, but real it's simple, good. Real, real, real simple rule of thumb for anybody who wants to heed this, this bit of advice that might be listening is that um, 
it's okay to have those feelings and that animosity and get upset and spite. It's okay to have all of that shit. There's there's, there's one real simple way to avoid uh, getting into problems with that is you don't ever mention somebody else's name publicly. It's just, it's real, it's that simple. Like yeah. you can, have, you can have all of those feelings, which trust me, I, there's plenty of people <laughs> I don't like, just don't mention them publicly. Yeah. It, yeah you exactly. know? Or even privately for that matter. Don't talk shit. What's the point? Yeah, just, well, don't yeah, don't just, waste your breath. Don't waste your heartbeats and your time. Go do something else. <laughs> it's so tough for people to do those things though. <laughs> I think it's really hard for people to do that thing. That's why I said, you know, just don't mention their name publicly. Cause I think that's something that is a little bit easier for people to grok and understand it and see the, the payout from it. Like you're, you're shooting yourself in the foot. Like when people post about me, I'm like, I don't understand. Like talk about my work. And nobody will do that because my work is top notch. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, it's it's brutal out there though in the social media world. This, you know, it's, anyway. it's a dangerous arena. It's like a mosh pit. Um, yeah, and that's all changed <laughs> too. I think that's a big part of that too, is because of the business model of uh, of that social media is changing. Like I've had my account banned uh, nine times, I think, and the pressure that that puts on me and the way that that makes me view my competition is very different. And I think that's happening to a lot of people as well. Oh yeah. So, I mean, so many people have been toxic, shut down. Toxic, toxic environment. Capital is failing, man. Oh, it's failing. Meta, Meta is, is losing. They lost what? 900 billion fucking dollars. So yeah. With the social media, it's getting to be a war zone more so. And also too, like even today that, and I talked about this on my, just my last episode that I released for the new season, talking with Jason about this silent censorship. It's friggin' horrible on social media. You know, when I was looking for you today just to message you, I had to type on either one of your your uh, profiles. I had to type it all the way out before you showed up. I'm not yeah. talking most of the way out. I'm not yeah, talking but, like. But what's funny I, is that you find then you find those other pages, the second generation. There, you know, there's a second generation Steve. I saw oh, that. Yeah. Shout out. You don't even know who they are. I'm, I'm hoping they don't get sued or whatever. But yeah, yeah it's so yeah. Here, here, check this out. Uh, um, you know, like I said, I've had my account banned nine times. Um, yeah, uh, Meta Meta's business model is failing. It's failing so quick. I think one thing that uh, should really help put this into perspective and hopefully help rob some people of this uh, animosity and steam that they're carrying to this whole social media platform is that. Uh, Instagram will be gone uh, within 10 years, probably. I'm I'll, I'll guaranteed it will be gone. Uh, and if Instagram is not gone in 10 years, uh, the platform that it is will be completely transformed into something that nobody recognizes today. So all of this shit, people are freaking out about, you know, uh, my competition and I getting the sales in this market. I mean, it doesn't matter. It's going to be gone real soon and it's going to transition into something else. So if you're not prepared and, and spending your energy thinking about that, and instead doing this cutthroat shit with your competition, you've already lost. <laughs> you've already fucking lost. Mic so, drop. Enough <laughs> said. That's my, that's my take on the whole social media thing, Instagram thing like that. That's just a wash. That, that's already over. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know exactly how I'm going to transition from that myself. I'm not saying that I have some other uh, plan in place. But what I do know is that uh, I have spent enough of my time, resources, and effort uh, developing my market and my customer base so that I do feel confident enough today that if 
Instagram was to go tomorrow or if I was to lose all my accounts or whatever tomorrow, I would find my customer base again somewhere, somehow. It might take me a while, um, but I'm not going to, I, I don't think that the solution to hanging on to that customer base is arguing and bickering with and sinking my competition. I think that's counterproductive a hundred percent. So it, it, you can't tell me it's not losing them followers. I mean, they do keep a follower base of uh, antagonistic haters, hateful people. I mean, not haters, but hateful people. It's, it's, yeah, I don't, I would venture to guess that there's a direct, uh, association between dollars spent and, uh, emotions, um, <laughs> held. And I don't think that, uh, people who are hating or buying as many seeds as people who are passionately watching the page. So again, yeah, yeah, <clears throat> for sure. Well, on a good note, how about that master cushion blueberry? <laughs> <laughs> are you master even doing that did you do the master kush yes i am you know what good uh, you know at some point we have to talk about your fucking mushrooms dude. i know we do oh, do we? <laughs> we, we were talking about we were going to transition into a conversation about killing the market and redundancy into a, a cross about master kush and blueberry <laughs> <laughs> i tried i tried <laughs> <laughs> well so here's the thing all right, so I have that goddamn F4 blueberry. Thank you, DJ. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've you know, it's, I'm under contract to use that damn thing. So it's like, but no. again, thank, thank you, DJ. Um, uh, <laughs> it works great. It's a beautiful male. And, um, you know, I have a one up on anybody else trying to recreate that master fish. Uh, what, what I will say, that, 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 I'm smoking it right now, actually. And uh, it just entered the, uh, I'm having to do a little bit of things to coax coax it into this. Let me see if you can hear this. Can you hear that crunching? No. Maybe no. not. Oh, okay. Anyway. Well, it's, uh, it's doing that thing where it wants to be tacky, but it's past that tacky point into it dried up a little bit. So it like, it does that thing, that stuff when you break in a half, it snows the trichromes. Uh, it's a trichrome dumper. Uh, it had in, in the um, flower, it had heavy, real heavy, um, vinyl shower curtain which i noticed with the blue licorice as well uh it stuck with the blue licorice a bit more in the, the transition into cure but um what the, this is doing the mb232 which is the master cush times blueberry it's just fucking just pure grape it's oregon grape um the blue licorice was grape laffy taffy this is like concord grape juice um oh. and it's strong this master cush times blueberry it's strong, narcotic, it's heavy, long-lasting. Nice. Um, it's a great cost. Yes, I'm going to do it. I'm going to release it. Um, again, restructuring the market, uh, redundancy, blah, 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 yada, yada. I released that um, MB23 pawn. I would like to give people a, an opportunity to work that a little bit. And plus, I'd like to see what that can do. And the other thing is that um, there's other things to work and release before that. Um, so... Uh, I don't want to club the market over the head. I don't want to club the, you know, like it, I, I've seen other beaters do this where it's like they'll drop like nine strains in a month. And I just, I, I don't understand it. And not only that, but the four out of those nine strains are identical. It might be from different parents, but the progeny are fucking identical. So I just don't understand how that model is uh, sustainable or, or um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, but my thing is that master kush when you when you even put i think a few months ago you put that post out should you do master i think it was master kush or coco was that it 
Coco Kush times Banana OG. And oh, I will tell you, Craig, they yeah. voted wrong. They fucking voted wrong. So a couple people <laughs> Good. Thread, a couple people on that thread knew it, and I kind of knew it as well. But the thing is, is I haven't done the testing of that Banana OG times Coco Kush yet, but other people who had right away chimed in on that thread. And like, it's just because they don't know. Hopefully. <laughs> Yeah, there, the, the 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 master Kush times blueberry that dang uh, that's gonna create some good stuff. But uh, this banana OG times um, cocoa Kush is more unique, and I'm gonna release that first. Um, gonna release that first. That produced this chem dog. I, I can't. I well, it's not that I can't believe it. <clears throat> I can believe it. What I when I'm struggling to believe, you know, this is me um, learning, still learning as a breeder. Um, is the way that uh, that banana OG the way and, and same thing with the chem D plant that I have the way that those plants transition and breed into their progeny like I, I and I should have known this um, this would be interesting we should talk about this I should have known this after working with that super silver haze plant that I worked with like that super silver haze mom that I had was this rock hard uh, ugly plant like I <laughs> didn't like it like I mean, it produced really well, had decent turps, but it's just horribly ugly. I hated it. I hated it. But the uh, Azure Haze was phenomenal. It just made this, and it made this cushy, sulfury, uh, really nice Azure Haze. And it just, it was so shocking to see that come from this plant that I hated. But I'm seeing something similar come from this banana OG, as well as the MD that I have, um, <clears throat> which... Uh, I'm not sure if you had seen or how many of your viewers had, had you know, will have a recollection of this, but some of those conversations that <laughs> came up on my thread about the ChemD, um, a couple people had mentioned things similar to what I'm considering in my head, and I think I should maybe just take it or do it, throw it out there that you know there is. A, I think that I might be, be wrong uh, to some degree about some of my uh, impressions or understandings of this chem line based now, on the way I'm seeing it breathe. That thing's been a, a thorn in your side, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, because it, because of the uh, uh, exclusivity behind the... Because they we can't track the damn cut down. Like, if I can just smell yeah. it, and I, I try to tell people this. I'm like, I don't even have to give me seeds. I don't even cut. I just need to smell it. I can just smell it. Yeah. And I know... And that's like, okay, then you know that is there. Check off that box and I'll move on to this thing over here. And then I know in my head, this thing's over there and this thing's there and this thing's over here and it goes here and I don't put things in the right place. So let me let me repeat this back to you so I understand. Are you saying that you're looking like, and I think you've told me this in the past, but you look for cuts based on your nose? Is that what you're saying? Based on my nose? Your nose, your nose. Yes, I use my nose to. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, could you read like that's that? your guarantee though? Like that's your personal guarantee is like saying, okay, this is what it's supposed to be. You, you check it, you get a good, yeah. good yeah, yeah, uh, I, I, judgment yeah. with your nose, and then you you personally you can say, okay, I'm I'm sure, or I I'm sure that uh, you know that this is what I'm looking for. Yes, if I have reference to what it is. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, sure. If, if somebody comes to me and says, well, this is chocolate tie, I have no idea what fucking chocolate tie smells like, so I just have to believe them. Right, right, But right. as far as as far as ChemDog, I'm like, come on, man. Like, I was smoking ChemDog at, at High Times Cups in, like, 2012. You're yeah. not going to tell me 
that I don't know what ChemDog fucking smells like. You're just not. No, I get it. It's not going to happen. No, and I think that, and I'm not sure, like there's a lot of cushions that have been real kind of thinned out for me, but you know, there are certain strains, ChemDog, you know, for me, uh, a true Tropicana, a true, uh, like GG4, uh, true GMO. I mean, they're just, a, yeah, a, a true, like a, even a Skittles, a real true Skittles. I can tell, I know. <laughs> but, Obama, Bubba yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the other licorice one that we have? The, uh, the Jaeger, that one's, you can't miss mm-hmm. that one. So there are a lot of strains that I, I agree, man. I, you just, you know, but, um, so when but some of these cushions gets real thin, like some cushions to me just smell like either all metallic or all organic dirt. I mean, it's just, they're all kind of thinned out to me. Well, Kush is an interesting one because I think Kush is, uh, was similar to OG, but it was harder to, um, uh, triangulate. Kush was a little bit more of a catch all, uh, just well, right. Right, uh, right, right. I guess I'm referring to the OG cushions. To me, a lot of the OGs have been just so that one. Me. Also, uh, what is so? What is OG Kush? In your <laughs> right. in your in your reference, what do you refer I, to? Man, see, the, <laughs> these are things I can't answer, especially <laughs> especially with confidence. Like I can't even answer to that. I know you did. Like, I feel the reader when people ask me these questions. Yeah, I, I, I can't answer that with any kind of confidence unless I just want to talk out my ass. So, neither <laughs> can I. OG Kush goes in. For me, OG Kush uh, originally would have been. Uh, well, here's the problem with OG Kush is that it was so fucking rare. Right. So rare, so that our reference to it is also rare. But in my reference, and I never really, I don't remember, no, I don't ever remember getting OG Kush. It was that fucking rare. I remember hearing a lot about it. Sure. Um, but in my reference, it would have been uh, green bud, closer to a sour diesel or a, uh, uh, a skunk, which I know now was completely wrong. Uh, and and what we what I've learned in the recent past was um, uh, that uh, the, the credited creator of Bubba Kush was asked originally where OG Kush came. Supposedly they came up with the term, and I, I believe the way he told the story, like the timing and stuff. It's like you just you kind of know when you're the first person saying something like you just know you're like, nobody else said it before me. And then after that, everybody was saying it, but they were saying that, that their OG Kush, they were the first ones or, or, or among the first people that were using that term. They said it was just white labeled, uh, uh, Bubba Kush. Okay. And so I think a lot of, and then there's different cuts of OG Kush, but I think a lot of people have this reference to what OG Kush is supposed to be. Again, Bubba Kush. Um, but I don't, I don't know either. Uh, in my mind, it would have, it was supposed to be green bud back in the day, which was like, <laughs> like I don't know. I, I just re in my head. I remember in the early nineties that OG Kush was like a staple, um, green bud from California, man. It came for us. It came from California and it was, you know, so for you, um, for you, it sounds like for you, it was more of like a sour diesel. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and then you have other stories of people like, no, it came from like, you know, the coast region. So it's either Humboldt or, you know, an Oregon somewhere, you know, Oregon grown Kush. And it's like, not Oregon grown, sorry, ocean grown Kush. And then I'm like, okay. And then there's another third story. It's like, I don't know, man. I don't know. But for me, yeah, it was. Have you heard the stuff about Be Real? 
Uh, in terms of with OG Kush or yeah. just no, huh? Yeah, well, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anyways, uh, you know, Karma Electra, Be Real, and like the story just it gets so outlandish and so out there that you just you get to a point where I'm like, all right, fuck all you guys. That's why I go with my nose. Because I'm yeah. like, you're, you're, you're going to, you're, fuck you. Now I have to go talk to Carmen Electra. <laughs> I, I'm over it. You know? And I so, know. And the other thing too is that the redundancy that I'll, how many of these strains smell like sour diesel or smell like Bubba Kush or smell like you know, blueberry. Yeah. Like there's, there's, there's a lot fewer than people think. Well, and and the more I get into like since we've been rec market in Oregon here for a while now, I I've been able to experience a lot of different, you know, at least comparable strains that are grown, whether or not they're exact strains, at least there's something I can count on reliably. But um, I I it just seems like to me that the Cushes all have either a slight metallic taste or like a slight um, even smell, but like a slight you know, earthy, uh, organic. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it just seems like it doesn't matter what kind of cush it is. It still kind of has that same feel to it. <laughs> like I, for me, I, I'm chasing that, uh, you know, Nepalese temple hash is supposed to come yeah. out of that low line. Musky, sulfury, mm-hmm. earthen, cushy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I often wonder too. I have to wonder too if a lot of the cushions I haven't gotten in the past just haven't been full of salts, and that's why they're all metallic tasting and shit. Like I know a lot of people that have grown some salty OG Kush. So I don't know. Um, let's see here. What now? We talked in the past that in some of your breeding practices, or even the blueberry line itself, you know, the the sole the sole guide was the nose, right? Was the terpenes? Yeah. Yeah. And so, so is that, I mean, so I imagine your intent with this, these new projects and your future with a second gen, like, you know, you're going to, I'm sure sticking with unique or, uh, uh, terpenes that you appreciate. Is there any, like, you know, are you still maybe going to look at like flavonoids or like, you know, how they relate, how things relate to those and ketones and aldehydes and shit like that? Like, are you going to have any, uh, messing around with those things or are you just going to keep with the nose and um, that's a great question um uh, it, it threw me for a loop because there, it was a long question but um no nothing that uh, specific or scientific there's no intent for anything that specific or scientific dj has some intents and some desires to do things to that degree but um i'm not quite at that level yet but um i will be expanding my repertoire or my uh intent past beyond terpenes at this point. One of the things I'm really curious to start looking at right now is that, um, like, and I've known this for a long time, but I've just never had the ability to, uh, to, to look for it because I believe that, you know, these types of anomalies show up in, in really much rare numbers, maybe one in a hundred, maybe one in 150 or one in 200 plants. Uh, so that type of intent, uh, I just haven't had that ability yet. But, I'm I'm convinced that uh, a big part of what we're looking for as breeders and growers, and smokers and tokers, uh, is as um, much uh, the genetic combination, but the way 
<laughs> ma'am, and stone. But uh, obviously, the way that these uh, genetics express themselves, and that's why. Um, yeah, um, <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm looking for these plants that um, that, that grow well, um, that are, are are doing well with the nutrient uptake, and that um, and they're they're processing the environment conditions well. And then that transitions into the jar because you can have, you know, the best terpenes and, you know, in the world and stuff. But if it doesn't, if the plant struggles in the environment and doesn't consistently produce those terpenes, it doesn't matter. Because what I'm noticing with all of these elite cone only plants that I have, that's really, I think, one of the, the main things. Now, yeah, now that I'm externalizing, I'm really sitting here thinking about it. So, I mean, great question. Uh, is that they're expressing all of these things consistently every single time you grow, no matter how you grow. Like the plants next to them can get mold, they can die, they can look horrible, but, you know, the, the sour diesel plant still, every time, looks good. We have this joke that, um, like the Quimby plant that I had, and when we were younger, we used to do this. The person that I got the Quimby plant from, um, their motto was to put as little effort into growing as possible, and that we would, you know, uh, Jack Bauer 24. I hated that show, but my friends all loved it. So sit around and watch it. And, uh, and my friend would go into his closet there. And sometimes the plants would either be just dry on the stock dead in the fucking pot still. Cause he wouldn't cut them and cure them or anything. And we'd smoke it that way. Or he'd rip a nut off his plant and go put it in the oven in the microwave, and smoke it. And that was the Quimby plant at that time. Hmm. You just, you couldn't mess that plant up those flavors and that smell and really the effect still came through on that plant. I think that's one of the things that's been missing um, from our selection work as breeders. We really shoot for these high value plants. But um, yeah, now that I'm externalizing that, yeah, I think that's what a lot of these other um, larger firms that have been picking these clonomies, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for these uh these plants that perform consistently. Greenmark kept has been talking about that for the last two years. It's been his kick. That's all he's doing. Well, I often wonder the relation and the effects, like the entourage, if you will, between all these, you know, long, short terpenes, flavonoids even. I mean, you know, it's, I, I, I don't understand it, but I often wonder that if, because I've smoked a lot of cannabis, and I can tell you that the crosses I've worked with with your your strains, um, not only do they have, you know, terpenes that carry all the way through, but they um, they have certain entourage effects too. And uh, so I wonder what plays into that, um, you know, with say your genetics versus someone else. Um, what do you, what's your feeling about outdoor and indoor? Like, you, I assume that you do most of your testing uh, and have most of your testing done indoors, correct? Yeah. Um, I can't uh, do too much work outdoor. I don't have right. much. Have, have you had any feedback, uh, except for from me, on outdoor? Or, uh, how your plants perform outdoor? Not specifically. On a couple of strains um, individually, I, I think it was the shortbread was one of them. Uh, so where somebody was like, you know, we're running this outdoor and it just uh, was blowing something, everything else out. And then, uh, mm-hmm. The sour goat was another one that <laughs> this is weird cult following in South America. They have to all be the same people. 
like the same <laughs> little village of like 40 people who all shared the same, you know, crop from this farmer. But, um, they hit me up like two of them a year, like start the, the sour goat, you know? And so they're growing that. Yeah. Outdoors. Um, okay. uh, they sent me pictures and, well, I, I can tell you, I've grown everything of that I've had in my possession outdoors of yours, and um, that uh, plumberry Kush is a monster outdoors with monster colas. That thing is huge. I had to. Uh, I only had a six foot fence, and I I had to build a structure around the plant to uh, finish it off because it was so. It was too late to even bend it you know it was too late to do any training <laughs> so i had to build a makeshift uh single plant greenhouse <laughs> over the thing so that one performs well farmer's farmer uh, performed well rosaberry didn't perform as well outdoors as it did indoors for me um that's really you know i don't know i i don't have any experience with the other ones i'm excited to try some of this stuff that i haven't yet you know like the cross yeah. you're putting out. Um, Most, all of my, I have thought of this before, actually. Um, I'm trying to uh, remember the uh, thought process in my head because it's an important um, uh, conversation, um, actually. But yeah, so my selection work, it's not just my selection work, but most, I'd say 90 to 95% of the plants that I also work with and that I seek out to work with were specifically selected and bred to be worked with indoors. And I think that that distinction um, in a breeder's work <clears throat> is really important to note. And I think that <clears throat> the reason that it's really important to note um, would be for uh, basic, basically for hermaphrodism um, um, reasons. And again, I'm trying to remember the thought process that made me think of thinking about this a couple of weeks ago. It had to do with... Um, uh, uh, the, the way that I select my plants are, are not for commercial reproduction purposes. I don't produce, com com I don't breed commercial weed. Uh, I breed mm -hmm. weed that I enjoy to smoke and I never need that to be on a commercial level. And so I, no. was, concer I was concerned thinking about this a couple of weeks back that, you know, anybody that, you know, specifically selected for those intents for personal you know, hobby smoke, um, if those genetics were refined enough to a point that they might be at risk for certain stress factors if they were pushed outside of that factor. What made me consider this and notice this was that um, it's like it's like 95, again, with percentages. Uh, it's probably one of the problems with stoners and getting two stoners. 90, 99%, 99 result. It's like a really high percentage amount, though, that uh, the people that get back to me are like, well, you're, this plant hermed on me. It's with wattages above 600 watts. It's like a less than 5% of the time that it's wattages below 600 watts, which I finally keyed in on, you know, a while back. It's like, well, that's really interesting because I don't grow. I don't use any equipment over 600 watts. So my, hmm. my, so, you know, I'm sticking to it right now. Wow. Um, so, well, so I, I tried to use... Uh, uh, Selecting for things other than turf. So I'm looking at these plants here, and I, I didn't articulate. But I was trying to articulate well enough, and I just I don't know how to explain it. But um, but selecting these plants that are producing those. Um, I don't, I'm trying to think of an example, and the best example I can think of is this damn sour diesel plant, the lamb's bread sour diesel plant. Like that 
this plant, like, it, like it, it, it endures these environmental factors, like fluctuations of temperature, uh, pH uh, variances, um, uh, nutrient toxicities. That it's just it, it, it endures this uh, variance of environmental factors that other plants just don't, and so that it produces consistently over time. And then on top of that, it has those terpenes, and then that you know, a couple other qualities that we're really looking for that just, again, every single time it consistently expresses that way. What I'm thinking is happening is that, well, what I just discovered actually happened is this sour diesel plant and lamb spread sour diesel too. Now, I don't know the difference. I'm pretty sure lamb spread sour diesel and sour diesel are the same. But anyways, this plant just showed up in the damn banana OG times cocoa kush stock. And to try and wrap my rant up is that I think that like these plants like lamb's red sour diesel or Bubba Kush might be a little bit rarer, but um, some a lot of these elite clone-only plants are showing up regularly and consistently and consistently in a lot of the genetic stock that we're working with, but the plants do not endure the variance of environmental factors consistently. So we're missing them, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not just that we're missing them. You know, we might find them as a keeper on the first run, but when we run them the second time, they don't perform the same the second time. So we discard them because they're not consistently handling that variance of environmental factors. So that's mm-hmm. one of the things that I'm really going to try and start um, focusing in on. And again, um, uh, not credit for, but um, uh, you know, but I, I do want to give a shout out to Greenwork who's doing really similar work. Uh, you know, he's been working on this for the last couple of years. And I think he's having success with it. I think he's struggling with the testing a little bit. But I, it you know, appears I, what I'm seeing that he's having success at it. I hope he's doing well, man. And I'm glad to hear he's doing successful with the, the growing. Um, do you ever fear creating a hype strain? <laughs> 